Welcome, welcome to Co-Evolutionary Culturing, Composting Power Over Culture from the Inside Out, the podcast from Starter Culture. Today with myself, Sarah McFarland, and Belle Salky Lovelock. Belle is um, one of the core team members of Starter Culture. She's a poet, a seer, a human development guide, a wild mind guide with Animus Valley Institute and one who belongs very deeply to the place that she lives and works and loves and where her children have grown up and where her vegetables grow and her bees fly. And we spend some time talking about this thing called eco-awakening or what we could call ecological belonging. Um, what it is, why would we would want it, what it means for these times. Um, and uh, we at Starter Culture are very much in a process of emergence. We um, are listening for what uh, the cosmos, the mystery at the center of life, Earth, is dreaming or is um, speaking or longing for through us. And, uh, and sometimes we have to make um, middle-of-the-air changes. I'm just watching an osprey change direction in flight as I'm speaking with you here. And uh, this podcast was kind of like that. Um, my mic cut out a third of the way through, and so uh, I had to uh, listen in for a way that I might craft something of beauty and inspiration and, and uh, an offering out of um, the really, really beautiful things that uh, Belle was, was saying. Um, and so I've added some of my own music and um, a poem by David White. And uh, we're going to call this part one of Eco Awakening. And our next podcast will be um, more of the practical variety of um, how to eco awaken, how to know that we belong to Earth community uh, first and foremost experiencing ourselves as earth and water and fire and air and um, kith with the other-than-human world. Um, but in this podcast, we step into these waters um, in a more um, inspired, poetic, philosophical way uh, and kind of get the lay of the land about what eco-awakening even is. So I hope you will enjoy this uh, exploration and uh, wander through the wilds of what we call eco-awakening. Today, on Co-Evolutionary Culturing, composting power over culture from the inside out. I'm noticing right now I'm really grateful to hear the birds singing in the background of your place. And I'm noticing I'm really grateful that uh, I've been to your place. Mm. So that even though we're speaking over Zoom, I have a body memory of the place where you're sitting mm -hmm. and the birds outside and the way your garden is laid out and you in mm. relationship. And oh, I'm remembering the bees right now. Mm -hmm. they're really flying today oh. it's a sunny day i was just looking out of the window at mountain and listening to the newly arrived willow warblers mm -hmm. and, uh, 
here we are in our places, mm -hmm. you and yours and me and mine, eh? Mm -hmm. With my new osprey neighbors. Oh, it's amazing. I don't have my own children, but like I said, it's almost as if I'm pregnant or like my sister is pregnant, you know? Yeah, the yeah, kind yeah. of joy I have that they're going to be having babies there. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many faces on the mountain today. Mm -hmm. Like, the there are huge cumulus clouds, and then there's these shadows over the mountain, and then bright sunlight, and a bit of white because it's cold up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's mm. feeling gratitude to be here. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, what we're here to talk about. Aren't we already doing it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Eco-awakening. Is that what is... That is a phrase, isn't it? Eco-awakening. I think uh, we need to be aware of um, our dear listeners. And uh, let's talk about language a bit, shall we? Mm -hmm. Say a bit about language and... Um, yeah. What might happen during this podcast with language... Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sitting here with a poet. Mm. So language has a particular power and capacity to uh, open worlds, spell mm. cast, shift consciousness. Mm. Uh, just feeling the, the poet of you and the seer of you. Mm. Um, and also we were talking earlier about wanting to really be uh, generous and, and kind of wide open with um, recognizing that not only one sort of person is going to be listening not only poets are going to be listening to yeah, our sure. podcast rather you know hopefully all kinds of different people of all kinds of different home places and all kinds of different experiences so mm, um, yeah we had this intention we spoke of not wanting to be kind of jargony or using mm. special words um, without notes without notes yeah there's a there's an expression that we might use um dear listeners, which is other than human. And the reason we use that rather than saying nature is that there's some kind of weirdness about saying I'm going out into nature because it kind of presents itself as a separation, like as if there's somewhere other than nature to be, um, like as if we're abiding somewhere that isn't nature. And of course, we're on a planet which is made up of nature and we are part of nature. So we say other than human and if if we're including humans in it we say more than human because it's humans and everybody else mm -hmm. rocks trees birds caterpillars everything because humans so, are made of nature too yeah we're made we of are. earth and water and fire and air and every yeah. breath of every ancestor of every creature that's ever lived is yeah coming and will ever be and will ever be some might say yeah uh, yeah, so yeah, let's be mindful of language and its ability to create stories that we then live into the world and um, and mindful that some people listening will be ones that would identify themselves as activists who are direct activists and there are some people listening who are activists because they are working towards a change in the culture. Um, but they might not consider themselves by that term. Um, 
And there might be people who don't know what the hell we're talking about and are wondering why they're listening to their podcast. And we say, welcome and stay with us. That's great. Um, hopefully there'll be something in here for you too. Um, yeah. The other um, language moment I'd like to hear, pick up on here is um, I'm remembering because you spoke about separation and, and the way we make this separation of nature separate from human mm. or separate from indoors or houses or as if anything is made of shopping made of nature. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything is actually made of right? mm. things of, of earth. Mm. Um, and I'm remembering uh, because I did the storytelling this week of the mm. uh, hospicing modernity from Vanessa Machado de Oliveira. Her word for it is separability. Yes. Um, the, uh, the kind of speaking with the indigenous folk in the in South America that she's in relationship with and in what we call Canada that she's in relationship with um, this kind of what we what I might call the trauma of separation this um, mm. erroneous belief that we're separate from uh, from earth from the other than humans mm. and the um, the loneliness mm. that that mm. creates and this kind of longing to belong yeah uh, and that might be a beautiful place to start with this funny thing called eco awakening, yeah. um, which is this weird word, but actually basically sum, sums up to mean uh, knowing somatically, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually that mm -hmm. we belong yeah, and, and we belong to earth and earth mm -hmm. community. So in our bodies and in our feelings. Yeah. I was just, just saying, just thinking, yeah, if you have ever, felt like you don't belong like that you're somehow some kind of weird alien then you'll know the loneliness that you're speaking about and if you've ever felt a feeling of a really deeply settled and kind of profound and life-changing experience of um yeah oneness mm. with everything mm -hmm. and it's not it can be a very physical oneness uh it doesn't need to be a kind of like a in the head oneness it in fact it wouldn't be that it would be in your body uh, um, then you probably know what we're talking about um eco awakening um and it's um i mean it's a term that has come from um a chap called bill plotkin who has written several books um and um he has with many others uh set up and created this um entity called animus valley institute and eco awakening is quite a key thing um in our lives uh because now how can i say this better mm. <laughs> yeah what is eco awakening it's kind of the the first experience that you feel in your body of connection with everything so i've said that already um what i want to say is that in nature-based healthy cultures and we don't live in one of those um they don't have eco awakening because being well it's kind of seamless you come out of your mother's womb of belonging and you come into the womb of earth of belonging of the apparent world of the world that we see the material world if you like and there is no separation 
and everything around you, the culture around you also uh, affirms your belongness. You are welcomed by trees and skies and stars and your tribe, your human tribe. Um, so yeah, so that's an important piece to get is that in other cultures, because we tend to imagine we're the only culture on the planet mm -hmm. and what we think is the same for everybody else, but in other cultures still existing and cultures that we've managed to squash out of existence or destroy or are destroying, there is still this uh, innate knowing of belonging. Mm. And you say our culture, so I'm just going to speak that also plainly yeah. of the what we at Starter Culture anyway are calling the power over culture. Um, some folks call the modern paradigm or the um, military industrial complex, late stage capitalism, you know, yeah. whatever the, the yeah. Western culture, you know, whatever the all the many mm. different words are for that. Mm. Um, and and I think the reason you and I want to talk about this today at all is because. Um, the, it's sort of like a moment which becomes a practice mm. uh, that it's like walking through a door that you didn't know existed and your life is never the same after that. And there's something about when you have been through that doorway, as you called it, or you have awakened to your place in the family of things, to quote Mary Oliver, everything changes and so things that defined you before such as ethnicity and gender and nationality and uh, religion enriching and wonderful as those are they become secondary to this primary relationship of i am i am part of this great entangled complexity that is the web of life and the universe in fact it goes beyond the earth it's like so those are the two key things then of eco awakening are it describes this first conscious experience of belonging that you it's not just a rational thing it's not like an ec ecological understanding you haven't got a degree in ecology or you've read a good book about ecology it's like your whole body feels it and um you can't act in the same way you did before where you do not have a sense of the other than humans being alive and sentient that means that they feel stuff and intelligent you know it's like that's it's profound it's huge it's like rocks your world basically so um it's not like oh yeah i get that you know humans are part of this food chain and all this that's not that so if you're thinking that let that you know maybe you're not convinced yet and that's fine you stay with us and we're not trying to convince you we're just telling you how we perceive it and see how it feels in your body see how it lands so okay so i'm i'm feeling inspired to tell the story of my own ego awakening um i was living at a zen center which shall remain nameless for seven years uh, there was one of our retreats, which was a month long. We did that twice a year, and it was in August. And uh, during this during this August practice period, um, we would sit from six in the morning until nine at night, formally together. Uh, people could start as early as they wanted or as late as they wanted. They could sleep in the zendo if they wanted, but our formal formal period was from six in the morning till 10 at night with sitting and walking and 
we were eating formally in the zendo, and there was a work period and a rest period. Um, and in the afternoons, there was a, a talk, a dharma talk. And um, I think that the talk had already happened, although I'm not sure. Maybe not. We had two or three hours of meditation in the afternoon. And I had been working with a particular koan, a particular teaching story about a fish that um, leapt up over the dam, freed itself by leaping up over the dam into the um, upstream, into the wild waters. And at some point, um, something shifted inside of me and I became the fish leaping upstream and my whole consciousness shifted um, deep absorption and just shifted into great spaciousness and kind of deep time mind I would say deep time of the now or the now of the deep time and I started to laugh and cry at the same time kind of I got the cosmic joke and was in this kind of absorptive unit of consciousness. And, uh, but I was laughing and crying at the same time and I was being loud and in the zendo, of course, you were supposed to be silent. And I sat for periods in a row and I remember I stayed put after everybody left the zendo. And then I tried to get up and my feet had fallen asleep and so I fell over. And the current uh, co-abbot at the time found me kind of fallen over in the zendo and um, asked me to leave the, the practice hall, asked me to leave the zendo, because I was apparently disturbing folks. Whatever, it doesn't really matter now, but uh, in fact, it does matter because it was this huge gift, uh, because I went outside in this state of consciousness that was not the everyday mind, and uh, and I laid down on the grass and I, and the sun, the golden sunlight of the afternoon was streaming on me. And I, suddenly my unitive, absorptive state became a unitive, physical, embodied, spiritual, psychological, emotional, physical, oneness, unitive absorption with earth. And in that particular case, this first moment, it was the grass, and I, I had the feeling I could hear the grass growing, I could hear the grass singing, um, I, could, I, could, I could feel the consciousness of, or the awareness, the aliveness of grass in my own consciousness, and I, uh, I wasn't allowed to go back into the zendo, and there wasn't any food for me, because everybody was eating inside. And I didn't have anywhere to go or anything to do, and so I started to walk around the grounds, and I went down to the river. Um, and it was this kind of golden sunlight, drenched, incredible, high desert afternoon. And this experience that I had had with the grass just kept deepening and deepening and expanding and expanding until it really like, took over my whole body. And every creature that I met, every plant or tree or furred or winged creature that I met, um, 
I had the same experience of. Like I was sharing consciousness with them. Like my body could feel the being woven into the same web of life with them. And this went on for hours and I picked wild herbs for my supper and I um, stayed down there in this kind of, in this expanded unified consciousness with all of earth um, for quite some, some hours. And it fundamentally changed how I understood myself to be and who I understood myself to be. Um, it, it changed me forever and ultimately led to me partially leaving the Zen Center and doing the wilderness work and the um, nature-based work that I'm doing now uh, with folks because I wanted to support other people to have um, such kinds of consciousness-expanding experiences and most importantly, consciousness expanding into the web of life to physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually understand ourselves, experience ourselves as part of the ecological web of belonging. Yeah. I feel like I've been on a little journey myself, just hearing that, yeah, that kind of moving. And I hope that, yeah, people getting that idea of what it actually feels like. It's a, a game changer to experience everything as alive and sentient and um so i just want to i live in cymru i live in wales and um the language here Cymraeg, has words that because it's an old old language some would argue it's the oldest in europe um it has words that are are rooted in an old way of living like the our ancestors were indigenous once you know and uh, there are some words that link us to this belonging um, and the sentience and the agency of other than humans. So um, words like Kenevin, uh, which is kind of like, mostly you'd hear it talk about the sheep up on the mountains who know their place. Kenevin is a knowing of your place. Um, and it's a kind of belonging in the place uh, uh you're woven into a place if you like and um so sheep with kenevin no you know there are no there aren't like fences on the mountain or walls right on the top so but they know they stay in their place because they know their place and they're woven into it and they're but humans have kenevin too um and um yeah and there's another expression which is uh myth disquare uh, which is spoken of like you're from your square mile, but it's not just your human square mile. It's like you belong to the trees and you belong with the trees and the rivers and the rocks and everything else. And yeah, and there's a, an expression in English which kind of moves towards it, which is kith and kin. And we often think of kith and kin these days as like two types of kin. It's like family and extended family, but the original germanic word meant other than human so not human kith was not human so but it was still you're in a kind of familial relationship with trees and rocks and rivers and birds and everything else so um it's still kind of is clinging on there kind of surreptitiously hidden in english as well this idea of kith and kin so it's not um 
it's not something we don't know and it's but it's kind of hidden in our culture and lost in our culture or buried i wouldn't say it's lost because we can find it i'm one of those who's found it and we've just heard your story of how you were found by your family if you like let's give them the agency we don't find them they find us maybe or something finds us um yeah so i'm just really yeah want to bring that in that this isn't like something new this is something ancient that we're remembering we're bringing back to into being by um yeah or or it is being brought, brought back into our being by something other than us uh she says mysteriously um yeah so i was wondering about maybe we need to talk about culture a bit about different cultures we have touched on it but like about because what can happen is i don't know how true this is for you but when this eco awakening happens you've had this incredible experience of everything's alive and sentient and relating to me and i'm relating to it and i am totally changed by it and then you go back to your family your normality in mainstream culture in the power over culture and everybody else is treating the others like they're things they're inanimate they're kind of like machines if you like you know it's that mechanistic mindset that came in in the enlightenment um that everything only humans have consciousness i think it was descartes that kind of was the philosopher who spoke about that but it's like everything everything else is soulless and only humans have kind of got consciousness and everything else is just a machine and you can understand it through mathematics and science and um yeah and so that kind of mindset took over but before that there was an understanding of soul of um the unsoldness of everything and so you have your ego awakening in a moment moment and then or yours wasn't a moment it went on and on but uh you this experience and then you go back into the mainstream culture and there is nothing there to support you to remember that i mean that's the impoverishment with which we live in modernity and i don't want to diss modernity of course you know it is part of the great unfolding of life and um you know it's not for me to say that it's bad or good um i can see that it causes quite a lot of trauma um i feel it i have it um and i'm one of the luckier ones being white and you know uh yeah educated and whatnot but um yeah but we live with an impoverishment and so we come back or we have these experiences and then we come back and we're not met. And um, it makes me think about, um, I've been listening to Mary Evelyn Tucker and Brian Swim's book, The Journey of the Universe, which I really recommend. And um, they're talking about the universe. It's like the science of the universe, but how that actually um, translates into culture and our connection with life and where we're at on these these edge times that we're in you know like of close to mass extinction and uh climate collapse and you know the composting of the current culture that 
I would say we're in and you would say we're in probably. And and I'm all for, yeah, and I'm trying to um, encourage along. I'm feeling sorry for us, in a way, us modern humans and our, um, what's that poem? Uh, our sense of being troubled guests on this planet as opposed to we are this planet. We are, you know, in the same way that something a body has organs we're one of the organs of this planet as this species has a particular job to do on this planet we're not just beamed in to cause a mess and then die off you know we're doing something and we we're here to do something and this planet has made us to do something potentially or you know the universe if we you know because the planet is not separate from the universe you know earth is not separate so but then i was just thinking hey but you know we've got poetry and i would say that and i just yeah i'm just thinking about um yeah there's poetry that speaks to that tells stories um and it's one of those things that takes us to the threshold um like for instance mary oliver um i think i might read it um, although I probably know it off by heart because this was one of those moments that reinforced my own eco-awakening. I walked into somebody's house and they were uh, smashing down a wall and their house had been in disarray for a long time and they'd written all over the wall and this poem was on the wall and when I read it, it was like the world stopped breathing or turning and everything changed for me and it was, it was like a... Oh. So here it is, Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Wow. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of rain are moving across the landscapes, over prairies and deep trees, mountains and rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. They're going home. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like wild geese, harsh and exciting over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Sometimes the only way to slow
So when I first started this work uh, that we do, like, yeah, well over a decade ago, I went for a wonder. And um, and so I'd read I'd read these books by Bill Plotkin and I had got this yearning of like, I, I just there is I'm I need to be fully giving what I have for Earth. It was such a strong yearning in me. Um, and uh and kind of like there was a real grief that um, I wasn't, yeah, I could feel that I was a bit dull in myself or a bit not alive um, because I wasn't finding a way to really offer myself or surrender. And so I, I'd been through this period of longing and I'd come across these books and I read this book and I was like, wow, um, mind blowing. And I went, I took myself away, I'd had, several children at that point and I hadn't had like any solo time for quite a long time and I took myself away and um to the Brecon Beacons if anybody knows them and uh I went on this wander as I described didn't have an intention was just wandering as described in these books and um which is where I learned to do it as an adult I knew how to do it as a child I did it all the time um but somehow education kind of beat it out of me uh, mainstream education, but um, I would say, uh, and I was wondering, and I had a real dilemma at that time about where I was living, and I was drawn to this rock, this mossy rock, and I sat down, and it was November, so it was pretty squelchy, sat down, and the river was full of really loud, yeah, really loud water, and um, I started and I started off by talking to the rock and telling the rock about how I experienced it, how it looked, how it felt. I told it about its moss and how it felt, how it smelt. I even tasted it, I licked it, you know, and um, and was just there talking to the rock. And after I'd kind of like described rock to itself, I then started telling rock about myself and my dilemma that I was in about where to live. And then all of a sudden, and I said something like, um, 
I was describing and saying, and I live in a community because I did at the time, uh, an intentional community. And I just heard, and I would say the rock said it, but um, it wasn't like I heard it like a voice. It was just a question was posed to me, which was, and what kind of community do you want to live in? And it completely broke my story of who I was open because it was the first time I admitted, I admitted that I didn't actually want to live in an intentional community, but more deeply than that, it was like, it was like a recognition of, I am here to live in the, the greater earth community and to, and that was my work. That is my work. That's why I'm talking to you on this podcast. You know, it's like, it's that, you know, it's our birthright, you know, and this is the impoverishment of the culture we're in, that we don't live in this birthright because we're not uh, born into this innate belonging. We have to kind of offer ourselves to the world to find it again, like um, move out of our minds into our bodies and our imaginations and our feelings so that we can uh, reclaim a birthright that everything on the planet has, which is to be kind of living in the um, beautiful, enriching, life-enhancing uh, and death-enhancing, because life and death are two sides of the same coin, uh, web of life on this dear green and blue spinning ball that is part of the universe, which is part of a mystery that we don't understand so yeah what to remember when waking by david white in that first hardly noticed moment in which you wake coming back to this life from the other more secret movable and frighteningly honest world where everything began in that first hardly noticed moment in which you wake, coming back to this life from the other, more secret, movable, and frighteningly honest world where everything began, there is a small opening into the new day, which closes the moment you begin your plans. What you can plan is too small for you to live. What you can live wholeheartedly will make plans enough for the vitality hidden in your sleep. To be human is to become visible while carrying what is hidden as a gift to others. To be human is to become visible while carrying what is hidden as a gift to others. To remember the other world in this world is to live in your true inheritance. You are not a troubled guest on this earth. You are not a troubled guest on this earth. You are not an accident amidst other accidents. You were invited. You were invited from another and greater night than the one from which you have just emerged. Now, looking through the slanting light of the morning window toward the mountain presence of everything that can be, what urgency calls you to your one love? What urgency calls you to your one love? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky 
Is it waiting in the fertile sea? In the trees beyond the house? In the life you can imagine for yourself? In the open and lovely white page on the writing desk? It's important, eco-awakening. I feel like saying more, more about why it's important just to summarise that, you know, I think we've spoken to or we've, if anybody's listening with their hearts, they'll feel how important we feel it is, you know, but to actually speak that, that for me, it's, um, it's important because the most important importance is that our current culture makes us think that we are in charge of everything. You know, like if you think about the creation story that pervades through modern Western culture is one of like being given dominion. And um, that's not what our indigenous ancestors knew. And that's what not how healthy indigenous cultures relate. It's one of um, reciprocity and um, even indebtedness. You know, it's not definitely not domination. Um, so it's something, eco-awakening is what decolonizes us, is um, out of our idea that humans are some kind of exception. Like when we get into this whole discussion about um, saving the planet in rabbit ears, um, this idea that whatever we do, every single human has to stay alive. You know, I'm not saying I wouldn't want anybody to die, not of course, but it's like, it's a strange place to start the conversation from without saying, and everybody else, and all the songbirds, and all the alligators, and all that, you know, it's kind of like, that's what I mean by human exceptionalism. This idea that somehow we're a special case and we, we have special dibs on this planet. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's quite, it's so um, woven into the way we think we're dyed in the wool with this, you know, it's like, it's I keep finding it. I've been doing this work for a long time and it's like, I keep finding it in me every day, this kind of idea that somehow I'm a special case. Um, and so when we get into that special case scenario, of course, I mean, we're more familiar with it in racism or sexism of like, there are some genders that are more important and more uh, allotted more power than others or some, skin colours or you know we're more used to recognizing it there than we are in around our speciesism if you like so it's important because the way we go about currently i would say having been an activist all my adult life um, sometimes a direct activist sometimes a proactivist i call it where you know i tried to raise my kids differently and live in a different way um, from the mainstream or less influenced by the mainstream is that there's still this idea that we need to think what needs to be done and then do it. And um, where eco-awakening fits in to this is, is that it helps. It's the start of a big shift where instead of thinking we know what to do, we become humbled. And humble actually means to return to the topsoil, the humus layer of the soil. So we become humbled. And instead of thinking we know, we start to listen to what we're being told to do because there is an intelligence that's bigger than us that already knows. And um, I mean, some of you have probably heard of the Gaia theory and some of you 
you know probably heard of indigenous cultures and some of you may have a belief system that allows for an overarching principle such as god or spirit or universe or i mean we call it mystery personally i say mystery because i don't know what it is but um <laughs> so it is a mystery to me um and i don't see a guy with a beard and i don't see a, a woman you know a great goddess either i i see if i see anything i see the universe and stars that's what I see. But it's like there's an overarching principle and there's something unfolding and we don't understand it. And I'm not dissing science. I love science. But it is like looking through a keyhole, really, because we can't see the whole picture as far as I can tell, because there are things that science can't explain. So, you know, and we even, well, I know lots of scientists and they would admit to that. So there are mysteries. So until everything is explained, then there is a mystery. So, uh, and I, yeah, I tend to go along with my indigenous ancestors and those cultures that aren't destroying the planet who tend to believe that there is some kind of organizing principle that is unfolding and it has an intelligence. And if we learn to listen, we can find out what we're here to do, not just use our strategic mind to work out what science says is the best thing to do. And uh, I think this is where, this is the big shift that eco-awakening is the beginning of. Thank you for joining us today and listening with your heart to this wandering way of conversation and dreaming and storytelling and poetry reading about an essential way of being human that is so needed for these times. If you're interested in joining us at Starter Culture for practices, invitations, in the future programs and webinars, storytelling events, or Bell's writings, please do check out our website at www.startaculture.net and join our newsletter that comes out about every six weeks where you'll receive links to storytelling events, or recordings, um, Bell's blog, and announcements about our upcoming programs. We uh, feel you in the web and we're so grateful that you are part of the community of humans listening in to Earth's dreaming. Please like, comment, and share this podcast wherever you listen, as well as pass on our, our newsletter to others who also long to create a human culture that knows its belonging to Earth community. We'll see you for part two next time on Co-Evolutionary Culturing, Composting Power Over Culture from the Inside Out. <laughs>